If you've been with us for uh, this whole series, we've had a feature of interviewing different uh, staff members just about their ministry, about them, why they do what they do, but also um, in this series called A New Resolution, uh, the thought kind of thrown out there like, what if this was the year where uh, we make uh, our lives about others more than ourselves, about others more than ever before? And we've had excellent responses, you know, t- check, people checking out our ministries from kids to students to care to connections, all that. And we are ending today uh, interviewing, uh, one, our, wor- our creative arts minister, uh, Larry Adams, and our, uh, you guys can take a seat, uh, D- Jesse Keltner, a volunteer, a member of the band. Let's give them a warm welcome. And again, um, we've had staff members up here before, but usually like, you know, five, six minutes at a time, we wanted to carve out a solid 15 minutes again, just to hear like, hey, let's have an actual conversation about what it means to serve Jesus in this way, our hearts for ministry, and also us as the body of Jesus. How can we all take up our part just so the entire body benefits? So we will dive right in. Larry, Jesse, good morning on this dreary day. Well, we'll jump right in. Larry, first question is for you. You've been at Southwest for almost 15 years. You're going to hit 15 years this summer. And 15 years is a long time to do anything, if you ask me. Uh, can you tell us, tell us about this, Larry. What do you love about leading us in worship? And just the huge question of what does worship mean to you? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, I think, um, and it's been said a hundred times, um, the, the local church is, you know, uh, is the basically, you know, how we, how God reaches out to the, to his people. And, um, it's very important. And I think for, for me, um, as far as like what I love about leading our people is, you know, we, we try to create a sense of family here. We try to, um, just be, um, authentic and available and i think that our worship service reflects you know um the the mission and vision of the church which you know we're we're a church that uh strives to um just um seeking jesus and making disciples you know and um as far as i've been here for a long time we've made a lot of friends we've uh you know, we've, we've seen a lot of people come and go. And, um, you know, in that time, um, you know, there have been, you know, there have been temptations to, uh, to leave when it gets hard or, or to, um, to uh, take opportunities that are offered. But I think it's, there's something to be said about longevity. And it's hard to build a ministry if you're bouncing around every couple of years. And I think, um, you know, for my family, Southwest has been an amazing place to be because um, we've, my kids have had the opportunity to pretty much grow up here. And, um, you know, we've seen that the good times and even in the times where we've been tested um, and things have been really hard, anytime that we've opened up to our church family, they've been available and ready for us. And um, it's been, it's been a really good experience for us. Uh, also here, once again, is Jesse Keltner. She's a volunteer with our creative arts team specifically. She's part of the band, so she should look familiar to all of you. Um, but Jesse, how did you come to Southwest, and why did you want to join this worship team? Um, well, my husband and I were at a different church nearby, and in the fall of 2019, we both individually 
um, God just kind of started talking to us about, you know, feeling like the church we were at is amazing, but we just felt God kind of stirring our hearts. Like, there, I, I have somewhere else for you. And at some point we had a conversation and kind of discovered, wow, we're both hearing this. This is kind of crazy. This seems like a God thing. So we sat down and made a list. Well, okay, what do we think the, the place that God has for us will look like? And so we made our list. There were five things on it. My husband got on the internet and just Googled churches in the area. And Southwest was the first one that popped up. So we started looking into it. And within a couple weeks of visiting, we were like, okay, this is our place. We feel like this is where God's called us. And so the second part of your question, why did I want to join the creative arts team? I actually did not want to join the <laughs> creative arts team. I, my dad um, was in the ministry. His and he's basically still in the ministry in a different way and was a worship pastor. And so basically, as soon as I was old enough to hold a microphone, I was helping him with things and was just kind of like, we came here and I felt the Holy Spirit kind of nudging me. And I, of course, started with all the objections. Lord, there's so many more talented people. They've got plenty of people. I, you know, I just want to come and I just got here like... Can I have a minute? And I just really felt like the Holy Spirit was like, you know, I've given you a talent. I thought of the parable of the servants where the master gives them the talents. And at the end of the day, what kind of pushed me over the edge was I just felt like the Lord was like, you know, be a good and faithful steward of what I've given you. And so um, did I want to join? I gave God all the reasons that maybe I shouldn't or I wasn't qualified or there was someone who could do the job better. But at the end of the day, um, I think he's the one who decides, you know, if we have what it takes because he gives us, you know, what it takes. So, yeah, I found that God tends to not care when we give him reasons for no. So if you hear nothing else this morning, no, there's more important stuff. So uh, this next question is for the both of you. Uh, something that took me a really, really long time to learn is that worship is so much more than a 20-minute set on a Sunday morning, uh, but rather it should, uh, it should be a lifestyle. Get that from Romans 12. Um, but again, for both of you, how do you guys keep a worshipful perspective even outside of this Sunday morning, outside of this building? And how do you think we could kind of cultivate this outlook of worship kind of being everything that we do? Well, I think at times, I think worship can be this really complex, beautiful thing, but I think it can also be a really simple, beautiful thing. People talk a lot about our calling and trying to figure out what you're called to do, and that can, you know, we look at that in a career perspective, but to me, we were created to worship. That's like to know God, to be known by God, and worship is, to me, our natural response to God. So our career isn't so much what we're called to, in my opinion, it's where we're called to, but we're called to worship God wherever we go. So to me, I think worship starts with recognizing who God is and then what he's done. And I think when we stop and acknowledge those things, we can't help but respond with gratitude and just with this overflow, and that is worship, the overflow that comes in response to who God is, seeing him for who he is, and recognizing what he's done, I think it's just naturally worship. So whether you're standing at the kitchen sink washing dishes or you're 
having a cup of coffee with a coworker, or you're sitting at your computer typing, your life can be, if you are intentional, it can be fully worship. It can be your thank you, God. I see who you are. I worship you. Thank you. I think, um, you know, a big part of that in recognizing who God is, is it's, it's really important that we, we take in his word daily and uh, not necessarily in three to four verse chunks. And I know not everybody has a ton of time, but, you know, take it a chapter at a time. But I think the more that what I've found in my life, the more that I read and the more that um, I make sure that I'm taking that in all the time, it really um, regrounds myself because I mean, there are times, anytime that I step away from the word, that's usually when, you know, I feel uh, the most disconnected. And I do it. I have some practical ways that I do it. I, um, you know, the easiest way thing that you could do um, is um, just to go on the Bible app and find, you know, just do like a daily, daily um, intake of that. It, they'll, it'll read it to you if you want it to, or um, you can read it for yourself. Um, I use something called life journaling, which is I write daily, one, stick to one page, and I use an acrostic soap, and it's scripture, um, observation, application, and prayer. Write out the scripture that sticks out to you that day, and then um, the next thing is, you know, you observe, you, you take in the observation, which is the author's original intent um, or what you think that is going on in that situation. Then the application is how that would apply to your life. And then just write out your, a prayer. Um, could be a, a prayer on how that scripture has touched you that day or just something that's going on in your life. But I think that daily just trying to connect with him is, is huge. And I think if we don't have that, in our daily lives, it's very hard to replicate that on a Sunday morning. And, um, and we're, we're called to be a reflection of his glory into the world. And, um, you know, my hope is that as we all come together and we worship, we can take that with us into the world and, and um, reach people that are around us. Yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing that life journaling practice. Um, so there was a season, I, I can't remember when, but I had heard that this was kind of Larry's practice and there was a season like, oh, I'm going to try that out. And it brought like some serious fruit and blessing, just, you know, kind of starting my day doing that soap across, like, you know, kind of starting with scripture, then your observations of the text, application, what can I do with this? And then certainly ending with prayer. So, uh, so it, it works. It's, it's worth exploring on your part. Uh, well, last question. So, Larry, your uh, formal title is Creative Arts Minister, which means you oversee and guide and develop and recruit for the entire Creative Arts team. And what that includes, that includes uh, the band, the instrumentalists, the singers, and that includes uh, guys in the back booth running the cameras for live stream, running our slides, and also running the soundboard and making sure the lights are doing what they need to do. Uh, so, especially back there, things that, you know, we just typically don't think like, oh, yeah, there are people back there and they're doing a really, really good job. Um, Larry, one, I want to get this right. Um, what volunteers are you looking for amidst your entire team and how can someone join the team? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we handle the creative arts ministry handles pretty much anything, I guess, labeled creative that is seen or unseen that happens in the church. Um, so there's a lot more things to it than what we do here in the mornings, but we have a lot of needs. We have, you know, I mean, we, we need musicians all over the place. We need drummers, guitar players, keyboard players, um, sound engineers, um, 
and uh, people to run the pro presenter system, which is like the words and the slides that you see on the screen, um, people to run switchers and cameras. And um, we also could uh, use people that can actually build things. And uh, people who are kind of tech savvy, um, people that are willing to be like stagehands to take things on and off the stage. And um, I would like to add some people with uh, experience and passion for lighting, for uh, photography, filming, stage design, uh, creative planning, and even production type stuff. And I think, you know, the best way to join today would be to go out in the lobby and check the sign-up list. Yeah. Uh, and hearing a lot of those roles, like if I'm in the crowd, like, you might be like, oh, I don't have the skills for that. Most, the majority of the roles here, like, very learnable, um, some training, but, like, even if you just have done interest, likely there's like, oh, like, you'll be up and running, you know, within a matter of weeks. So I wouldn't scare that off, uh, let that scare you off. Uh, thank you both for sharing your time and your perspective. You know, I want to thank them for being up here. Really appreciate it for wrapping up the series in this way. And uh, just as kind of a wrap-up, or starting to wrap-up, this being the fourth and final Sunday of this new resolution series, you know, we started the month with our care minister, Tambra Breyer, up here, followed by Nathan and Tammy, our student and kids ministers. Last week, our connections minister, Rockley Pratt, um, and then ending with Larry and Jesse today. Again, the idea is kind of give a window into, you know, why we serve, why are we sacrificing the way we do, using our gifts, but all uh, to the glory of Jesus. But also, uh, it's kind of been, you know, many of us were kind of maybe landing the plane on kind of being in uh, resolution mode. But this entire month, including today for the last Sunday, if you had any light interest, not just with Creative Arts, but any of our ministries, you can't miss it just out in the cafe, just a simple clipboard and putting your name and contact on there is simply saying, I'm at least curious about what this team might be. Putting your name and number or email down is not a commitment. It's just like, hey, I might be interested in having a conversation. So especially, you know, kind of as we uh, land the plan on this series, still be praying, still be obedient and listening to the Holy Spirit as far as um, what you might be able to do. Because as I've said, week in and week out, you are needed. Uh, so with that, keep that on your heart and mind. We're going to uh, reset some things here a little bit, and we're going to invite uh, Mark Coffey to kind of bring the final message of the series. But once again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. So it's good to see everybody today. If you don't see me uh, putting my hand out and saying hi, it's because I have bronchitis and I don't want to give it to you. Um, so um, go ahead and put your hand out. Okay? Uh, we, we had a handshake here, and uh, I'm thrilled to be here, Great, grateful for the opportunity. Um, there are so many things happening in our world today, isn't there? Uh, we are literally watching history unfold as conflicts continue in various parts of the world, <clears throat> as terrorist activities uh, take place um, pretty much at, at will, <laughs> as presidential elections approach um, their, their deadline for this nation. 
And so often we see uh, history just saying, wow, we're watching history unfold. And we think that it's just a series of events focusing on the successes and blunders of various men and women, um, depending on which political side you're on. (laughs) But we need to realize what history really is. History is so much more than what I just described. The Bible teaches that history is his story. Scripture teaches that God is a central character of everything that goes on and everything that is taking place, and God is at work through all of those things to connect humans with himself, and he continues to do that just as he started all the way back at the beginning of creation. History is his story. It's all about him. And as image bearers of his, we get to focus, we get to delight in, we get to serve, we get to honor, and we get to live for him. And when we do, our lives are blessed in ways that we have never experienced before. The Apostle Paul had this in mind when he wrote the first part of Ephesians chapter 1. He started this letter by praising God for all that he's done and for all that he's doing. And he covers his story. And as he does, Paul breaks out and prays to God. And I want us to read together Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Follow along in your apps or in your Bibles. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in according with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And with all wisdom and all understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ." In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Three times in verses 5, 9, and 14, Paul says that all of these things happened to the praise of God's glory, to the praise of his glorious grace. And folks, we need to understand that we live, we stand, we, we exist for him. Can I get an amen over that? And the first thing that this passage of Scripture teaches us is that we were created to worship. We call it relationship with God. We call it intimacy with him. We, but another term that is used in the Bible is worship. And there's been reference to it in the interview this morning. 
It's used over and over in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the term literally means to bow down. You see, even though God created us to have fellowship with him, to to have intimacy and relationship with him, the reality is that we as a human race rejected him. We rejected the king of the universe. We sinned and rebelled against him. We made other things our gods. How many of us, how many of us have made this our God? How many of us make our families our God? We made ourselves God. We made our appetites and our desires God. We messed things up and we messed them up royally. And the question is, who or what do we bow down to? For some of us, it's technology. For others of us, it may be work, and still others will bow to academics, while others worship their things or their family or their friends, and they put them above everything, including God. Maybe you worship status and power, while others of you may bow down to portfolio and finances. And internally, a lot of times we find ourselves reacting, saying, well, I don't bow to any of those things. But bowing simply means giving priority or preference to something over another. And all of us, folks, every single one of us in this room, myself included, all of us have been guilty at one time or another of idolatry. Some of us are guilty of that right now. And maybe we long to be able to connect with God, the Father of us all, once again. Because, you see, we were created to worship God. He instilled it in our DNA, so much so that philosopher Blaise Pascal, a number of years ago, wrote down, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which can only be filled by God through Jesus Christ. You see, God determined ahead of time that those who would choose Jesus Christ and follow him and worship him would be adopted into his family. Anyone who has gone through an adoption knows that adoption involves choosing, and it is often very, very costly. I know of families that have paid upwards of $60,000 just to adopt a child in, in travel and legal fees and all those kinds of things. And God has done so much more than that. He's done that through the life and sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. He has adopted us. And all we can do is we can be grateful that we're a part of his family. We can worship because he's pleased and it's all about him. But the second thing we need to understand is that we're not only created to worship God, we are redeemed to worship God. Redeemed means we are bought back. We are, we are bought back so that we can do something different. So even though we rebelled against him, God did all that he could to buy us back to himself. And he did it through the greatest act of love, the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And as a result, everyone who accepts him will worship him all of, the, all of life and not just on Sunday morning, as Jesse has referred to. It's, it's not just a... a, a uh, one-hour segment, it's, it's everything that we do. 
And it's, Lord, how can I live for you? How can I please you? That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's a daily, it's a moment-by-moment occurrence. Students, your schoolwork, your family time, family, your time with friends, work, leisure time, vacation time, travel time, personal time, are all designed to be a sacrifice of praise to the Lord who loves us and redeems us to worship him. It's all about him. And being redeemed to worship God means also that we will take the time to start seeing others as God sees them. For those who are far from God, we'll love them as Jesus did and how he does. And we'll share Jesus with them. For followers of Jesus, we're going to treat them like family. We're going to encourage, we're going to forgive, we're going to love just as Jesus does for us. And this is so significant because in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about worship. And he basically says, if you want your formal worship, that is time that we have together right now, to really mean anything, make sure you are first in right relationship with people. And if you haven't, if you're not, make sure you straighten that out first. And Larry has alluded to this, but the quality of our worship that takes place in this room as we are gathered, whether we like to admit it or not, is directly related to the quality of the worship that we offer to God throughout the week when we leave this place. So many of us have a tendency of thinking, well, I've done my duty, I've gone to, I've gone to church and I've worshiped God. That should be an outflow of what we do throughout the week. And if we don't live for God through, during the week, that's going to end up affecting the level of excitement and the encouragement and the expectancy that we have in this time together. And if we have a great time in here, but we don't let it affect what goes on out there when we go to work and when we're with family and friends and others, we're going to find ourselves starving because the flow of God's Spirit is going to be severely, severely um, knotted up in our lives. We're also, the Bible teaches in this verse, sealed to worship God. Because when we turn to Jesus Christ, He doesn't leave us to fend for ourselves. He offers us his spirit who comes to live inside of us. And who but God's spirit can teach us more about what would please and honor worship God than God himself? You see and you read in God's word how much he values our care for the poor. And maybe as you read that, you find yourself uh, being nudged, as has been already mentioned, but nudged in the sense of wanting to take care of someone who you know is in need. 
Or you run into somebody who's struggling, not only with, with their job and different things like that, but also struggling with the meaning of life, and you offer encouragement, and you share Jesus with them. Maybe, maybe you take time to invite them to church with you. And some, at the prompting of God's Spirit, have chosen to worship God to the extreme where they have felt called to go to foreign countries and they have devoted their lives in service to other people so that Jesus will be known among them. Folks, that's worship. What is God calling you to do? Sometimes in our public worship gatherings, such as this one, you may find yourself inwardly prompted to stand before the Lord, even if you haven't been asked to do so by the leaders. Or you may want to raise your hands because you want to honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords in your worship. Some of you may want to sing at the top of your lungs, even though you can't carry a tune in the bucket. You know, it doesn't make any difference. Or you may want to bow in silence to the Lord and simply be still and know that he's God. God moves each of us to worship him in different ways, all of which are consistent with his will. And through it all, the Holy Spirit reminds us that there is so much more to come, so much more. So much so that Rick Warren says that this life is simply a dress rehearsal for what awaits us. (laughs) I love that. Holy Spirit is God's reminder that there's going to be a day when we will be with him in heaven. And a great multitude that we will be a part of will stand before him and cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And we're going to be with him in a a place in heaven that will make this earth seem bland by comparison. It will be rich. It will be beautiful. It will be wonderful. And there we will worship the Lord completely. We will worship him continuously, not only in work, but also in praise and honor and adoration. It's going to be a soul-stirring life where the concert never ends. And if we don't know how to properly worship now, and if we don't take the time to learn, then we need to do so. Because there's going to be a lot of worship in heaven. And we have someone living within us who will prepare us for that so that God will be honored and glorified not only now but also for eternity. You folks, so often... We get things messed up a little bit. Because when it comes to worship, we have a tendency of focusing on what it does for us instead of focusing on what it does for him. We become so enamored with the mechanics of worship. Oh, I don't want to get a note wrong if you're a worship leader, or I don't want to get a slide wrong, or, or, or different things like that. And we think, oh, no, if people will, what will people think of me? 
And we forget the one who is worthy and the one who's working through us and, and for us and loving us. We get so busy in times like these talking and texting to other people that we leave no time for God. We replace God with people. Sometimes we get so focused on the size of our problems that we forget the size of our God. Folks, I'm going to be very honest with you, and I don't think that this is, I'm not trying to be malicious when I say this, but I think that this is true in just about every church in America. But every single one of us probably need a major attitude adjustment when it comes to worship. Some of us do need to step up. Some of us need to say, I'm going to contribute. I don't know how, but I want to contribute. Please help me find a place. And yet I wonder how many times God shows up in places like this and is so disappointed in what he sees and hears in the hearts of people. Because it's not about him. It's about our wants, it's about our needs, it's about our interests and what we want from God. Our focus should never be what it is that we want or how well the band or the preacher or others on stage perform or perform in the background with the technical stuff. Our focus should never be any of that. It should be on how great and awesome God is. For he is great, and there is no one else worthy of praise. This isn't a show. Instead, this is an opportunity for us to honor, to meet with, and be in complete awe of God. Be in complete awe of his majesty, of his holiness, of his awesome grace. I love the, the, the picture painted in Acts chapter 2 as the early church started. And for the first time, people began to really understand what it meant to follow Jesus and what it meant to live for Jesus and how the Holy Spirit was working so many different wonders among them. And there was a sense of awe in terms of everything that had been done in Jesus Christ. And verse 47 says that this resulted in the temple courts and vibrant worship, which so impacted others that they too were drawn to Jesus and saved. Don't you want that here? It can be because he is still God and he is still Lord of Lords and he is still King of Kings and he has still redeemed us by his awesome grace. At the same time, some people have walked in here broken. Some of you are overwhelmed. Others of you are burdened. You don't think you have anything to offer. And really, deep down inside, you wonder, God, will you accept my worship in, at all? And maybe you're crying out to God because you know he's the only one who can do something about what it is that you're facing. And you say, Lord, I don't have anything, but I still come to you and say it's all about you. And let me tell you, if I understand Scripture in any way whatsoever, 
I believe that when God sees that openness, that brokenness, that availability, his heart skips a beat. And he stands up and he says, oh man, I want to help you. Isaiah says that he won't break a bruised reed or a smoldering wick or blow out a smoldering wick. Instead, the psalmist says he, he stores up all of our tears in a bottle. And he remembers us with love and compassion. And he says, I am all you need. I will help you. And you will see how when you make it all about me, it will be more than enough because I, the great I am, I am enough. That's one of the things that communion is all about. Jesus uses some very simple emblems to show us very clearly that He is enough. He gives us bread and He says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, but also do it realizing that I am your nourishment. Then he gives us a cup of juice, and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for many for the remission of sins. And he just reminds us very simply, I am more than enough. I am the only way for you to come to know my Father who is in heaven because that's what he sent me for. And here we gather to thank him for the forgiveness found only in him and to rejoice in a hope that never can be shaken. Father, we come to you right now and we acknowledge that this is a holy moment because this is, you are here. It's your moment. It's your time. It's like every moment and time has been redeemed by you to be used for your glory in all that we do and say. So, Lord, we just come to you thanking you. Thanking you for your sacrifice. Thanking you for all that you have done for us and for all that you continue to do. Thank you that this time of gathering around and celebrating your death, burial, and resurrection reminds us that you are victorious and that with you we never, ever lose. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's take a moment and let's partake of this bread, which represents his body. And let's take the cup, which represents his blood, spilled for us.
There's a song uh, that was written by a worship pastor in England by the name of Matt Redmond. Many of you may be familiar with it. And it was birthed during a particular period of apathy at the church where Matt was serving. The congregation was, was struggling to find its meaning in its worship time. So the senior pastor made a bold move. How he managed not to get fired, I will, don't know, but he removed the sound system. He removed the band for a time. And he stood before the congregation and he asked them this question. And this went on for several weeks. He said, when you come through the doors on a Sunday, what are you bringing as your offering to God? That question led to a very embarrassing silence initially. But eventually, eventually people started opening up and they began to encounter God in a fresh new way. And that experience resulted in the words that Matt Redmond wrote down and that we're going to sing in just a moment. Because you see, folks, we're going to worship right now. Not because I'm telling you to do so, but because God is in this place. He stands on his throne. He stands at, or sits at his throne. And he is before us. And we are before him. And all we can do is bow. May there be surrender to him. Because he wants our hearts. He wants every bit of us. And if you've never done that initially and would like to talk about beginning a relationship and a life of worship to God, we want to talk to you about that. And our staff will be available. You met several of them this morning if you're visiting about what it is that you need to do in placing your trust in him and being baptized and beginning your walk with him We'll be around in the lobby and also uh, throughout this building to be able to help in whatever way. Take a moment, just bow your heads and just simply say, ask yourself, what kind of, what a, what kind of offering am I bringing to God today?